Welcome to Courtset Indiana Podcast, recording episode 138. I think 138. So high. You know, you, you don't know that you can count that high until you get to that point, right, Kyler? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Never knew I could count to 138. There was a time I could do calculus in my head, but now I'm not sure that I can count to 138. But <laughs> we were going to do a podcast this week. We were going to take a week off, and then the gate, the floodgates opened. Everybody started committing. Xavier Booker comes out with his top 10, which was the shortest top 10 in the history of recruiting. <laughs> I, I, you know, that's kind of meant to be somewhat funny, but why, why do a top 10 when you're going to commit three days later? It, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. And I, and I guess the inspiration, I guess the inspiration hits you, you know, you make a decision and this underscores the Trevor Lake situation a few years ago when he committed to Indianapolis before finishing all his visits and, and Oh, by the way, didn't make his parents bad. Didn't make him a liar. That's a soapbox. I don't want to go down again because it's just going to, it's going to open the Bellerman fandom back up again. But, uh, you know, sometimes life changes, right? Circumstances change, uh, especially recruiting and job hunting. Uh, you know, if you get the job offer you want, you're going to take it, right? Mm-hmm. If you get the scholarship you want, you're going to take it, right? So anyway, that's sort of a tangent. You're like, ah, I don't want to get into that. Oh, crap. I get it. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it, it is kind of funny. Here's my list of 10 and then boom, I commit three days later. Usually your list of t- usually your list are the people you're going to take visits to or additional visits to. Whatever, but you know what? Kudos to Book. He woke up one day and decided he wanted to go to Michigan State, or that he didn't want to put it off anymore. And I don't have a problem with that. I'm just comparing it to a situation when a college coach actually had a problem with with that. God forbid a kid should do what he wants without being dragged under the bus. So, kudos to Book. That's the bottom line on that. Is congratulations to Booker for committing to Michigan State, and we got more news, right? We really don't have yeah, a topic, it, do we? We're just going to talk about recruiting, right? I guess so, yeah. I mean, there was a well, lot this, might this be, past week. This might be the shortest podcast ever. <laughs> I mean, it could be long, though. I mean, this was a – I mean, I, I for a long time, I feel like this was the busiest week as far as in-state committing and, you know, offers and things like that that I can remember in quite a long time. It is, but unless unless Zach missed something, we, we really – it's still just four commits. Right. Anyway, let's get to it, including A.J. Dixon, who post-grad committed to – or no, not a post-grad. He committed to Eastern Florida for a junior college. Well, here, here's the recruiting update. Cannon Ketchens from Brownsburg, junior, picked up an offer from Xavier. Uh, Florida Bedunga picked up offers from Indiana and Purdue. Of course, he's a junior at Kokomo. Uh, Joey Hart picked up an offer. Senior Linton picked up an offer from Western Kentucky. Clay Butler, a guard from uh, a junior or senior guard from Ben Davis, picked up an offer from Lincoln, which is a Division II school in Missouri. We we touched on, I touched on quickly the uh, commitment of AJ Dixon to Eastern Florida Junior College. He just he's a recent grad of Merrillville, and then we had our four commitments: uh, Marcus Burton, which was predictable once Notre Dame offered that that was that was closed up in short order. He committed to Notre Dame. Obviously, we've been sort of teasing the Booker situation. He's committed to Michigan State. Sam Orm from Carmel, the senior forward, committed to Belmont. 
and Dylan Moles, the senior guard from Mar- or from Greenfield Central, committed to Marion. I almost said he was from Marion, but he's from Greenfield, committed to Marion. Uh, Booker stuff. So you cover you cover IU for rivals. So you might have a different perspective on this, and and um, you know, and I'd understand if there's things you can't say because you don't want to, you know, violate any type of reporting that you had you know done or however that you know however you you know however you can come to your information. But it's been a long time since anybody thought he wasn't he was going to go to you know any other school besides Michigan State, right? Yeah, yeah. Say that right. uh, He was going to go to every. We kind of know. Yeah, they uh they made him a uh I mean probably their top priority of the twenty twenty three class for Michigan State. I mean I'm going back all the way to like the end of the high school season this past year and in the sectionals and things like that. I mean Tom Izzo and his staff were always at Xavier Booker's games anytime Mm -hmm. I was there. I mean the one that really like kind of just you know kind of took me back a little bit was when um I was covering the Big Ten tournament. And then it was that Saturday that IU had lost. So I went up to Southport for the regionals and Tom Mizzle was there who just, I mean, just a few hours ago was, you know, coaching a big 10 team um, mm-hmm. in the big 10 tournament. I mean, yeah. So it's a short right trip there. It was a, do what? It was a short drive. Yes. A short drive. Um, but, you know, just the fact that he would, you know, take his, uh, you know, after his team got beat in the big 10 tournament, he would come, um, see them I mean showed a lot um, what they thought of Booker and everything and then right. like you know right there you kind of thought I mean it was gonna be Michigan State but you know IU made a little bit of a push and there's a few schools like Auburn and um, Purdue maybe um, Notre Dame was in there Michigan they they kind of made a push you know during that time during the summer and stuff um, IU seemingly made a late you know a later push but you know towards the end of that they kind of backed off just a little bit again Um you know, he had taken multiple visits to IU um, and throughout, you know, last season. Uh, I think he took one at the beginning of summer. But, um, I mean, Michigan State made him a priority, and it's just a place where I think Booker felt comfortable with. And, you know, Tom Izzo kind of sold the fact that you can be a stretch forward, kind of like Jaron Jackson, um, you know, playing that role. Um, so, I mean, congrats to Xavier Booker, like you said. Um, Michigan State seems like it's going to be, you know, probably the best fit for him. Yeah, it's still to me. I mean, to me, it's still kind of an odd fit, though. That's the, that's the thing. I think there's going to be. He's really going to have to up the intensity level. It's going to have to be consistent. It's going to have to be more consistent than what he shows at times. And mm-hmm. and you know, look, it's there. There are times where you where kids. I mean, let's not even kids. There's times at any level, the NBA, you know, even the NBA level, where where players do exactly what's necessary to compete versus you know basically exposing everything they can they can do on a court you know on the court you know maximizing their potential and maximizing their effort um and and look for for sometimes it now this goes straight to the kid situation sometimes it's about physical maturation sometimes it's about just you know mental maturation you know maturation in general but he's going to really have to improve his core i mean every kid has to get college get stronger to play in college but He's going to have to really improve his core. He's going to have to really improve his footwork and who he can guard. And and these are things we've been touching on off and on as, as his recruiting process has gone. And it's, it's, it's meant to be constructive criticism, but at the same time, those are things that he's going to have to do to just survive in the big 10, let alone produce in the big 10. 
and it's he's he's got a, a unique body type that he's he's going to have to vastly improve, uh, especially you know especially his core to be uh, to be super competitive. And it's I, I compare it to Isaiah Jackson for the Pacers. People are talking about people are talking about how he might be able to be the starting center for the Pacers, and they can get rid of Turner. And yeah, you, know, you watched him in the summer league. Every time he's touched, he buckles. You know, and he's and he's a you know he's a superior athlete, but every time he he's touched, he's buckled and he buckles and it it impacts everything he does. And I don't know that it's a perfect. It's not necessarily meant to be a one to one correlation, but it is sort of the same the same mindset that I'm looking at. That um, you know, how is a kid like that? Because you've seen a lot of kids like that with his body type struggle at, 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 in college, just because it is. You, you've got to have that core strength to be to be able to handle the contact, to be able to handle the change of directions that you're going to have to go through, the change of speeds. Everything starts with your core. Um, speaking of someone who has a very weak core, <laughs> Same. Who's, never, who's probably never had a strong core. Um, I know I know these things. I speak from no, I, I do speak from experience. I've always been very slow, uh, but. But, you know, he's, it's just a different body type even compared to Flory Badunga, you know, who is who's got a lower center of gravity. He's got a very strong and developed core, uh, you know, part of his body. And he just he's he's quicker into all of his movements, even at a, at a grade younger. So that's, you know, it's and it's you know, you think of guys that have gone to Michigan State, they've all been sort of intense type a personalities and and the one exception might be jaron jackson jaron jackson was a little bit more laid back he was kind of a later developer at park tutor of course you know he played with blewett you know trayvon blewett so um he really wasn't seen as the team go-to guy till his junior year and then of course his senior year he spent that at la la mer so i, I don't know that it's a great comparison to jaron jackson just because Jaron Jackson was a, a thicker, wider player. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they definitely have the same height ish, same ish height. Uh, both have incredible length, and and Jaron was a guy that that could play face in the basket and and um, kind of does. I mean, still does at the NBA level, even though he doesn't rebound very well at the NBA level. I'm not entirely sure he rebounded well at Michigan State, but I'm trying to look that up right now. For some reason, I can't. Dig up there. There we go. Finally, um, you know he averaged just under six rebounds a game, just under eleven points a game. It, it, 21, 22 minutes per game. That's it's not horrible. I no. and I guess the key factor there for for Jaron was that in twenty one minutes per game or twenty two minutes per game, he averaged one and a half offensive rebounds per game. That's that's a big number right there. That, that's that's you know, you're looking at just around two offensive rebounds a game, and that's that's a good number for for any at any level. Uh, but um, of course, the blocks too were off the chain there for him at Michigan State, three blocks a game. <laughs> um, but he's seen as a developing player. Um, he he did shoot well at Michigan State, not at not at a huge volume, and you know, if Book can be that, then great. I think Jaron's more physically developed and has a better frame. So that to me is what I'm looking for when I see a kid that's going to end up competing physically in the big 10. 
Yeah. Um, and another thing that kind of concerns me a little bit, you know, playing in the Big Ten is Booker's motor. That's always yeah. been a question. Um, you know, at the Big Ten, you know, having a low motor is not acceptable. Um, whether you're on Northwestern or Michigan State, it just it's not acceptable in that league. Um, which that he's just gonna kind of have to learn to get out of that. And I saw him with a better motor, I mean, this summer a little bit. Um, especially towards the end of the high school season when he got in the sectionals and things. I thought he did a, a much better job there. Um, you know, and I also don't really think he's going to be playing too much in the post um, on the offensive end. I think that's probably a big thing from him is to play mostly on the wing. And I, I think that Tom Izzo kind of wants him to play in the wing a little bit more. Um, sure. On the, deep, on the defensive end, you know, he's going to have to get stronger. Um, he's a great shot blocker. Um, but I mean, you're playing up against, you know, beasts in the big 10, you're playing up against guys that just want to, you know, pound the ball inside and they want to, you know, finish through contact, um, Booker in order to compete in that end, he's going to have to add some size and he's going to have to add some strength or else he's just not going to have a successful career, um, at Michigan state, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and being a shot blocker does not necessarily mean one is a great rim protector. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but it's, it's why a player, you know, you look again, I go, go back to NBA comparisons. That's just because that's where we have the most, the most stats. We have the most types of, you know, breakdown of stats. Otherwise a sign white side would have been an all-star every year because he <laughs> right. continually, continually rebounded well and, and blocked shots. But, but again, it was, it was, you know, the things he gave up, like he would completely sell out to block shots and you just that's that's a person who's hunting stats and i'm not i'm not accusing booker of doing that he's even if he did he's 17 years old he doesn't probably know the difference um between you know what what that even is i would i would imagine a lot of high school kids hunt stats um i know i know a lot of high school parents hunt stats so um but you know it's it's one of those things where I remember when Michael Williams was a point guard for the Pacers and he was continually one of the league leaders in steals and everybody thought he was a great defensive player. And the, the reality was he was a terrible defensive player. He was probably one of the worst in the big 10. He just or one of the worst in the NBA, but he was, he was small. He was smaller, not necessarily short. He was six, one, maybe six, two, but he, he was thin and, and could be picked on defensively and, and you could score on him easily. And sure he would, he would gamble, and, you know, 1.8 times a game, he would get a steal. And the other four or five times he would do that, he would give up angles, he would give up shots, uh, he would create defensive breakdowns elsewhere. And, you know, those Pacer teams weren't weren't built to be the most competitive teams at the time. Um, but, you know, that was a guy that that probably felt that's what he had to do to stay on the court. So... But there is a difference between blocking shots and being a really good rim protector. We talked about it today. Um, you know, as disciplined as Badunga is, um, to me, he's truly a rim protector. Like, you you shoot a lower percentage when he's in the game. And, and the matchup between those two in June, I thought showed a stark difference between the, the two ideas of one being a shot blocker versus one being a great rim protector. And that's... And that's something that Booker's going to have to learn to do and, and do so in his in Michigan State system. Now, one thing that he will have to his advantage is, is if he is the second big, so to speak, is this perimeter big. Defensively, he won't have the same responsibilities. He will have a different set of responsibilities. Uh, he will not necessarily be the only rim protector on the floor. 
But again, he will also have to be able to show that he can guard the perimeter, that he can get through screens. That's that's going to be one. That'll be the real challenge is that if you play somebody that, that comes off screens and how he handles that, because he's going to have to get that lanky, that lanky body through that, through that contact. He's going to have to get low and get through and, and recover in a position to where he can contest, not just the shot, but contest the drive. So it remains to be seen if any of these guys can do that, let alone just him. I mean, that's a right. question mark. I mean, Marcus Burton is going to have the same issues defensively. How is he going to do in the Big Ten, or how is he going to do in the ACC? I mean, he's going to be small. Um, mm-hmm. He he's going to be able. He probably will get his hands on some balls, but at the same time, is will there be will there be any um, any um, you know opportunities for team to cut teams to kind of bully him physically with bigger guards? Like Zay, like, and I know it's not they're not in the same conference, but like Xavier Johnson for Indiana, I don't think he would look at Marcus Burton in ball screen action and be the least bit concerned. Right, and, and those are just the things you look at when you talk about a kid going to a high major versus a kid going to a mid major. I think that the 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 context of the discussion changes, you know, and just like Sam Orm going to Belmont, absolute steal for Belmont, right? Yes, absolutely. You know, absolute steal. You know, it's a much more positive, glowing, glowing conversation. I'm smiling. I'm upbeat. I'm like physically <laughs> gesturing. You can't see it, but Kyler can. And you know, if he would have, if he would have gotten snagged a couple of high major offers late and committed there, the discussion would have been a little bit different. It would have been about what the challenges he would have to face as what would he guard. You know, he goes to Belmont. He goes to the OVC. He can guard the three and the four at that level. And if he were to get switched onto a five somehow. Or or onto a you know or onto a lower you know a, a two, he would probably be able to hold his own through that rotation. But um, you know, again, going to Belmont, that's that's a steal. That's a great get for them. Yeah, and I was a uh, I was a little surprised when I saw that. Um, not you know not necessarily um, you know the school that he chose, Belmont, but you know just I wasn't expecting his uh, commitment so soon. Um, yeah. and he I agree is, with that part is, for sure. Yeah. And he is a and he is a guy that I mean, obviously he looked at all of his options and he found what best fit for him. And obviously that was Belmont. Um, I mean, he's an incredible player. Um, he's gonna have a big year at Carmel, I believe. And um, you know, absolute still for Belmont. I mean, Sam Warren could have gone to a high major. Um, I mean, I I wouldn't say easily, but I mean pretty close. Um so, I mean, even IU was looking at him just a little bit. I and mean, there was no offer there or anything, but they always kept tabs on him. That's just kind of a bigger wing, um, you know, shooter. But Belmont got an absolute steal there. And, I mean, he, Sam Orm's going to be set up for a great uh, college career there. Yeah, and his – I mean, his one high major offer was to Butler in the fall, but that's a new coaching staff. I don't know right. where things were with, with Coach Mata on board. Um, you know, his other offers were Indiana State, Western Michigan, Elon, Toledo, Loyola. Miami of Ohio, and then of course Belmont. So, I I was surprised. I guess I'd be anxious to know how heavily Loyola was involved. Didn't get, really get a chance to see Sam that much during the open periods, but he was. Um, I thought Loyola's obviously been very successful lately, and I thought that would have been an interesting, interesting get. And 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 I, you know, we Carmelites love their love them some Chicago action, so. Um, <laughs> If they don't, if they don't come home. That's usually where they end up, <laughs> like professionally. It seems like, 
uh, that you know that's and then coming up in the rear so to speak uh dylan moles commits to marion now the interesting twist there and i'm not going to reveal all the information or just i don't think all of it's final yet is marion is recruiting him recruiting everybody at this point as a as if they're going to be a division one school they are they're in the process of transferring or to um transferring is probably the wrong word but to ascending up to the NCAA Division One level, uh, part of that process is an application. Pro- well, it was some sort of assessment process, which I think went well, and then there's an application process, which I think they could have done this past July, but but we're probably going to do it next July. So they would be targeting being a Division One school for the 2024-25 season. So that would be this current classes this like. Moles's sophomore year, Marion would be a Division One school, and part of doing that is having an agreement with a conference, and that's the part that I'm isn't to be necessarily reported yet because I don't think they have. I think they feel fairly comfortable that they have a conference agreement, but I, you know, which one it, which one it is, definitely don't want to be on the record as a as a as a non participant. I'll wait till they say something officially but but i mean you could take some natural guesses it's probably going to be something you know near near around the midwest um that would value having the indianapolis market in their conference uh but uh, they um that conference affiliation is an important aspect of, of going to the division one level so they're they're recruiting these guys you know they're after jake davis uh let's see i'm gonna go back here real quick and Look at some of the colleges. What what are some of the offers Marion has out right now? They've got offers to to Moles. They've got offers to Spencer White, Jared Bonds. They've got offers to Jake Davis, and then uh, that's that's it for the twenty twenty three class. So unless I unless we've missed something uh, for for Indiana kids, that is. I don't know yeah. about other. I don't know about other places. So. Um, I mean, I think Moles, I, I think Moles is a, is a, a low D one kid. I think he could play at that level. I think he has performed better than some of the kids that already have offers. Um, I, I speak that unobjectively kid that played for me for sure to disclose that. I like to disclose that whenever we talk about guys, but, but I've also seen it. I've also seen what he did during the school season. I, I saw a lot of what he did in June and how he played against other school teams and then of course he's had he was really good in Atlanta and really good in Milwaukee and and really struggled in in April all my all of our guys struggled in April offensively defensively I thought we were really good in April but offensively well I'm not sure we could have thrown it in the ocean if we were stranded in a boat but we we got a lot of it we got a lot better a little bit started hitting shots in May and that continued on through July so um Anything else on that list? Anything about Moles or Burton or just just talking about the commits? Yeah, I mean, anything else stick out there? I mean, Marcus Burton. Um, what I was gonna say earlier was, uh, you know, unlike Xavier Booker, obviously they're two different players, but unlike Xavier Booker, Burton can, you know, he has time to develop there and you know get used to that, you know. ACC high major level, I believe. Um, I don't think he'll be thrown in the fire right away. Um, unlike Xavier Booker, I mean Xavier Booker's gonna have to learn on the fly. 
pretty much, which he has the talent to, you know, succeed or expectations there. But Marcus Burton, you know, he can take time. He can adjust and get, you know, stronger. Um, obviously, he probably won't grow a whole lot, but, you know, he can get adjusted fairly well. You know, by his sophomore, junior year, he should be a great piece for uh, Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, Booker moves in. He'll, he'll, he'll come in behind Carson Cooper, Jackson Kohler, two players I know nothing about out-of-state guys, and I really don't know, you know, Mady Cisco. I don't know what he did last year. Uh, I know they, they do lose a lot from last year, um, if I remember correctly. Um, but it, it's, I'm curious to see if they throw Booker as a starter right away. Right. They just offered Gary Norman from Texas, who we shut down. <laughs> We had one, we had one year. Every time we played somebody, he went off on us. They got an offer from Louisville. It was Ray Spalding and and uh, <laughs> Ray Spalding and Donovan Mitchell, back to back weeks. It's like, hey, oh, great. Wow. thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for playing. They they go out and have great games against us, and the next thing you know, Louisville's offering them. And it's like, you're, glad we, you're glad just a Louisville help. magnet. <laughs> glad, glad we could help. Mitchell was having one of those one of his playoff games, and I said, "Thank God we weren't the only team that can't guard him." <laughs> I'm looking. Yeah, at, I'm looking at Michigan State's offer list here on verbal commits, and I'm seeing a name that makes me feel really old: Jason Richardson Jr. Oh wow! I didn't know that. Christmas. His wow. father, of course, had a great career at Michigan State, and continued that on to have a really good NBA career as well. So, yes. Uh, let's see. I'm checking something for Notre Dame too. What what Burton's walking into as far as uh, depth chart wise? I mean, he'd be behind JJ Starling. That's a really good pickup for them. I know that much. Yep. Um, Alex Wade's a walk on. Cormac Ryan. I don't know. He, he was a redshirt. I don't know much much about him. Looks like they've got. Well, he's got a little bit ahead of him. Anybody else they recruited the wings would 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 fill some of those gaps too. But they've they've got some um, Notre Dame will have some spots to fill as well. But yeah, he could um, he probably will will probably still be competing with playing time for with JJ Starling at least for his first year. I don't know if Starling projects as a player who would leave early or not. Not entirely sure on that either. Yeah. Well, we didn't really have anything else, did we? We we tried to come up with a topic. We weren't going to do anything this week, and then, like I said, all these commits happened, and and it felt like we couldn't just go by and not not do it. So, right, and it'll probably be double the number by next week. Yeah, it might be. Twenty twenty three is such a deep class. We're, at the end of it all, we're going to have a lot of kids committing. I and I'm still I'm still anxious to see because I still think there's. We'll probably have an episode here where we talk about under-recruited kids, under-recruited, and you know we'll focus on we'll focus on guys that don't have Division One offers, but but we may also throw in some guys there that are under-recruited. I mean that would have been Jake Davis up until about two weeks ago, right? He would have, yeah. He might be sliding off that list a little bit in terms of the under-recruitment part, but um, he is um, he was a kid that for a long while. It felt like he should have been getting more attention. So getting through COVID, I'm moving down to a new class. 
next year and be be happy to go through a, a normal recruiting process. <laughs> still I have to deal with the transfer portal. Yeah, still, yeah, exactly. <laughs> still have to deal with the transfer portal uh, being what it is now, but uh, but I'm looking forward to a full recruiting process. And, and these kids in the class of 2025 are going to benefit from it because they're – a lot of these kids are getting early attention, and as they should, especially Cicely and Harrelson, who are both taking what visits to IU and Purdue this week. Yep, uh, Jalen Harrelson took his today; he's unofficial. Um, and then tomorrow, uh, Trent Cicely's at IU. Um, they're kind of swapping. Cicely uh, was at Purdue today, and then uh, Harrelson will be at Purdue tomorrow. And they could have gone together. I know. I uh, I originally I thought that they were um, when I was on a uh, um, Jim Coyle show today. Um, yeah. and, but, uh, so, someone corrected me on that. Um, so, but yeah, they are kind of doing the, you know, the switching, switching it up. Um, I mean, obviously a Purdue and Indiana visit was guaranteed by both of them and stuff. So, um, but yeah, those are two high priorities in the state, especially for Indiana. I mean, I think, you know, IU Purdue and a lot of other schools, I think are going to recruit them as a package deal. Um, so it'll be, you know, curious to see what they do at that next level. If they are going to stay together or they're going to go their separate ways. I mean, they definitely could play together. I mean, they're, yes. they're definitely different different positions. It'd be interesting to see if, if Cicely grows like his brother, gets to be as uh -huh. big as his brother. He's not too far behind right now. But it but it changes things if he's 6'9". I don't know. To me, he still looks like he's closer to 6'7", which isn't that, you know. I, I do think that six nine is a magic number, though, especially with his skill set. He would be, he would be a load at at six nine because he would definitely be big enough uh, to to play to play the four spot at, at a high major program. So, so, all right, man. Well, unless you got anything else, I think we'll just wrap it up. I mean, really, we didn't have we didn't have much going on, did we? No, not a whole lot. I mean, we had a whole lot, but at the same time, not a whole lot. Kind of a yeah, weird nothing, <laughs> nothing on the tap until this to the last couple of days. So, yeah. All right, Kyler. We'll appreciate you hopping on. Yeah, we'll, we'll get this up uh, later this evening and people will have it bright and shiny new tomorrow morning. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks All for right, having thanks, me. Thanks, bud. Appreciate it.